In the year 2020, because of COVID, churches everywhere shut down. It was a strange time for all believers. What do we do? Is the church essential? So did the church do the right thing? What if it happens again on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Bread Podcast 25, Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. He is Pastor Brandon. I am Pastor Keith. The year 2020, I'll never forget it, March 2020, churches all over the world closed their doors. And there's a documentary coming out by Grace Community Church in California. It's called The Essential Church. And by the way, Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, we were doing an advanced showing of that on Sunday, the 23rd, which hopefully the, is the day this podcast will come out. We just thought with myself and Pastor Brandon here that we would just sort of talk about what an interesting, strange time that was to be involved in church leadership and what the church went through in 2020. And what if it happens again? What do we do? So, Pastor Brandon... Are you ready? Do you remember 2020? Barely. No, I, I do remember it, yes. You were here in Gainesville. I was here in Gainesville, yes. I was in California. Yes. The different things happened in those two states. Yeah, I mean, in the in the long run, for sure, how California handled it was completely different than how Florida handled it in the, in the longer run. In the short term, you know, when you talk about March, April, that, that time frame, very similar, actually, how they handled the initial situation. It, they diverged, you know, in a, a month or so. In, you know, Governor Newsom versus Governor DeSantis, how they both began to, to lead, you know, in that situation where, you know, DeSantis became more, in terms of liberty, allowing more things. And it became pretty obvious as time went on that that was kind of the weird thing for Florida was that there's this whole national scene and what they're saying nationally and, and, you know, even what's being said in Florida. And then we began to realize as time went on that how Florida was handling it was just completely different than what was being said by the press and by even government officials outside of Florida. And as you know, I mean, it became a, just this flashpoint in terms of politics and what's going on, but it was a completely different experience than what you experienced in California where, you know, Newsom began to really take really a role of being dictator in terms of how businesses and churches and other uh, schools and different things were able to do uh, business and and what you know what they do on a day-to-day basis. Yes. You were here as the senior pastor. Church had just started in what 2018? Uh, the church before you came. <laughs> we planted the church in January 2017. So we were okay. about 3 years in. You know, we had some stability in terms of where we were at the moment in time, but we were definitely severely tested in terms of, you know, what happened there. So how are you making decisions? Were you looking at other churches? Were you contacting your other friends who were pastors to try to w- walk your way through what was going on? Or Well, I think, yeah, that's a great question, Keith. I had another another man with me that was able to, he and I, he was actually a doctor, and so he was coming from this, coming from a completely different point of view, which was good, but it was challenging as well, because he was trying to work through, you know, on the scientific side, on the medical side, trying to work through what was real and what wasn't real, and, you know, that was challenging for us to work through, 
but we, you know, both of us were watching what was going on, you know, in terms of the national scene, listening to same sources I'm sure that anybody else was listening to. We were also locally watching to see what other churches were doing, you know, and seeing who was shutting down, who wasn't, you know, that sort of thing. Obviously, you know, with the essential church coming out, we were watching churches like Grace Community Church and seeing how they were handling things. You know, the initial, okay, we're going to shut down. This is why we're shutting down. We were watching what other churches and churches that we trust, men that we trust, and what they were saying, and we were following the best we could to that. You know, if you think about it, you don't want to be out on your own making decisions on your own. You want to try to in- incorporate as much wisdom as you possibly can, and, and it seemed like the wisdom of that day was we needed to shut down. Obviously, there were some people out there who were on a different wavelength in that sense, and very early on, several places that didn't shut down at all. We were watching that as well. It was an interesting time of watching, praying, discussing, trying to make decisions as to what we needed to do. A lot of the, what the documentary goes into at Grace Church is the they have 40 elders. They all had to make a decision that had to be unanimous, which is difficult to do. I think you mentioned there were some churches that never shut down. I'm not sure how big they were. Probably had their own building. We, sure. you know, we rented a lot like what we're doing right here, a Seventh-day Advent church. We couldn't meet. They said, no, absolutely not. I still remember getting the word that Grace Church was not having church. And I was like, wow, okay, if Grace Church is not having church, then it's serious. And that's when uh, when I was in California, Pastor Mark Rodriguez was our senior pastor. He and I were talking about it, and when we both found out, we're like, okay, <laughs> this is kind of serious because you know we're not going to have church either. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned we we didn't and still don't own our own building, and so the landlord is going to dictate that sort of thing in terms of whether you can meet or not in that situation. And we, very early on, in the first few weeks, they definitely said, no, we're going to follow the mandates in terms of the shutdown. Because, I mean, nobody knew. We can look back on this and go, well, should we have shut down? But, I mean, at at that point in time, no one knew what the severity of this was going to be. And so, you know, it's easy for us to look back and second-guess that. But, you know, as you're walking through it, I mean, it's a, you're looking at it from a point of view of not fully understand what's happening. You're, you're trying to piece it all together. You're trying to, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, you, you're like, wow, Grace Church is shutting down. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's amazing that that's happening. This must be serious if that's what's happening. You know, and, and what we have to recognize, too, is that we're not making these decisions in a vacuum. And even in a small church like Grace Bible Church was at the time and is even today, it's not a one man's decision. And I, like I mentioned, I had a, another man that was with me. He was a doctor and definitely more cautious than me and probably more driven in that direction, which I appreciated. It was helpful at the time, very helpful at the time. But can't just say, okay, well, I'm just going to run roughshod and just make a decision without having that input because I think it's dangerous to do something like that. And so even making the decision to come back later, you know, you're you're working through different opinions and you're working through different personalities and trying to decide whether it's the right thing or not. And, you know, ultimately some people didn't come back for a while. You know, some people decided to stay away. We, you know, thankfully we were able to accommodate that through online presence and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it was a it, it was a difficult situation. If anybody tries to tell you they knew, 
what to do at that point. I don't know. I, I think that's that may be a little bit prideful to say that. I mean, yes, the Bible is very clear about not forsaking the gathering, but at the time, they're telling us that millions of people are going to potentially die. You know, you remember all, the whole flattening the curve, and mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we're not meeting over this next, doing this stuff over the next few weeks so that we can flatten the curve. That time, I mean, how do we know? I mean, we're, we're having to trust the information that's coming to us. You know, looking back now, it's like, well, that, yeah, I mean, you can see the, you know, the politics that were involved with it all. But it was difficult in the moment. It's a believing of the authorities, the government, and trusting them in what they're saying is true. And so you're trying to abide by that, and you, you know, you're trying to spare lives. So you need to be in your house. You need to not go out. And then I think MacArthur even said this too, like after a few weeks, it, he noticed something was going on. Sure. Many of us began to enter the church, began to say, wait a minute, this is not that, that they're making it out to be. Now, I mean, I think that I would love to hear, you know, even from your perspective, you know, in terms of what happened, because you guys did shut down, but ultimately, you know, COVID directly affected you and leadership there at your church. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear more from that side of things. Well, for us, this we're talking March when it first hit. I, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't fear COVID. I just didn't think it was as bad as they said it was. I never had it, though, so... <laughs> All I remember really from that is you couldn't buy toilet paper, you couldn't buy mm. sanitary wipes. Everything was sold out in the stores. And so I'm thinking it's like the flu or I didn't know what it was. We shut down and then slowly we saw some of the other churches beginning to open up a little bit, the churches that own their own buildings. But I was going to ask you this question too. It became this this Zoom revolution. <laughs> Every church started doing Zoom and there was a moment where you're like, I guess this is the future, right? Where everything is going to be online. The service will be online. And I think a lot of people at first enjoyed the fact that you can wake up and have your pajamas and you can, you know, and go to church. And you got, you felt like you were getting the same thing. That's what we did. We had, we had music. We had, you know, Mark did his message and I would pray and we did an hour service. And so you're like, okay, you know, we did that. But then you start missing the fellowship. There's that craving of being together. And I think that's what brought our church to the point where Mark was the first one that said, we need to meet. He said, let's ask if we can meet in the parking lot of the church we were renting the building. And so we asked and they said, yeah. I said, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So we went out and set things up. And How long did you guys do that? We did that for about, well, (laughs) from, I would say from June to at least January Mm. of 2020. Mark passed away in on November first. We both got sick in at the end of October. We finally got it. But anyway, that's kind of how we went. And then, of course, with with Mark going home to be with the Lord on November first, that was like a huge shakeup. And we didn't we didn't meet because I was sick. We didn't meet for another couple of weeks. Now y'all, but y'all had been meeting in the parking lot. Yes. So we so. met in the parking lot, and then they actually let us come into the courtyard area. Yeah. Right in front of the church. Okay. We were way out. Yeah. Which was actually a nice thing because the neighbors got to hear sure. the gospel, the yeah. people who lived around it. Yeah. Well, that, that was for you. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of turning into the interviewer at the moment, but I think, you know, if anybody listens to our format normally, Keith does the interviewing. But it's interesting because, I mean, that in this particular situation, you went through losing a dear friend. You know, in, in my conversations with you, sounds like you would count Mark as one of your dearest friends in the world. 
And so for you to lose him in that situation, but still be landing on church being essential. Talk a little bit about that. What, you know, what's going through your mind that way? I mean, you've lost, you know, one of your dearest friends to COVID and now still wanting to meet. I mean, what's driving that? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I don't like being afraid. As a believer, sometimes we do have fears. Sure. We tend to hold on to this life with everything we have, not realizing that Paul, I think, said it best, to die is gain. Sure. COVID was a real eye-opener, I think, for myself, a lot of other believers. Is it, what are we living for? You know, are we that afraid to meet together and trust the Lord? No matter what happens, God is good. There is nothing bad in Him, nothing evil. So everything that happens is going to be good. Even if we die, it's okay. And there's nothing to fear. If you're not ready to die, then you're probably not ready to live, you know, for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I think I was one of those guys that kind of was a little apprehensive, but when this happened, it opened your eyes, especially when Mark went home to be with the Lord, because you're like, it doesn't make any sense why the Lord would take the pastor of this small church who everybody loved and has this wonderful family, and they still are amazingly godly family. Going through what they went through, just watching them, it just showed what an amazing legacy Mark left for that family and the, and how they've gone through it. But I mean, for me, just Mark was was the guy that was, was shepherding me and mentoring me, and, and we, we became very close, kind of like you and I are seminary close. Mark and I kind of came that, I, you know, when you do ministry together, you're kind of in the trenches and sure. like you and I are now. I think we had 60 people. And when, when COVID hit, like you said, we lost, I don't know, maybe 10. And then when Mark died, we lost another 10. Sure. So we still had these people that needed to be shepherded and kept meeting. We couldn't still go inside even after, you know, not until January of 2021. And you could only have 20 people or so in the room. Wow. Or 25, I think it was. And they had to be six feet apart. And we went actually into the giant sanctuary so that we could spread out. Sure. It's interesting that you bring up the fear side of it, because I think that in terms of people, that is what was exposed, is how fearful we are. That was especially problematic for the church, because, you know, we were willing to really follow the world because of safety. And that was eye-opening to me. I did some study on kind of what the Bible speaks of. It's interesting in terms of disease. It's interesting that leprosy seems to be the closest thing that the Bible, you know, like how do you deal with leprosy in the, you know, in terms of an infectious mm-hmm. disease? And, you know, what I was struck with is that God had a test for leprosy, you know, so that they would go to the priest and the priest would look at them and inspect them. And then the situation was they would quarantine them or they would allow them back into the general population. And it, it's just interesting interesting that with COVID, there wasn't that. It was this nebulous, you might get it, you might not get it. If you stay six feet apart, you might be okay. You wear a mask, you might be okay. The CDC never came up with, okay, you're cleared to actually, you know, to be together. And it just, it really bred this fear. It's interesting because you think about even the priest, I mean, did did they make a, did that, were they able to make a hundred percent this person is cleared of leprosy in terms of being able to, to pass it or spread it. Were they able to make that 100% call based on you know the guidelines? I would say probably not. There was probably some danger that that could still spread. But it's like with COVID, it was like if there's any danger whatsoever that you could get COVID, we're gonna go. We're gonna do the most draconian rules of you can't. You have to be six feet apart. You have to wear a mask. You have to constantly be using the disinfectant soap. You can't go to work. You can't. 
you go outside, you can't, you know, people wearing masks in their cars, you know, by themselves, you know, people wearing masks walking down the street, not with nobody within 500 feet of them. I mean, there was, I think that's what struck me was the fear that was generated. And it wasn't just fear like in the world. I get that because, I mean, if you don't have any hope, if this, if this life is all that you have, and then you, you know, I understand holding on to it with all that you got. But as Christians, this isn't it. And if you believe in a holy, sovereign God, he takes me. He takes me. He's gonna. And and yeah, I don't. I'm not saying that as Christians that we ought to go not care and and just walk into danger willy nilly. So that that's what really struck me. And what really strikes me even with this and talking about it is that you actually lost someone in pastoral ministry you know, you lost your partner in ministry. And yet, you know, at the end of it, you still felt like that, you know, meeting was the right, right thing that, that, that Zoom wasn't good enough. I think we all got to that point, right? I mean, Zoom was kind of fun (laughs) at first. I mean, but it, it wasn't church. It was a good alternative for a couple weeks. With Grace Church, it started that way. MacArthur would just go in by himself and and preach. They would, you know, they would stream it live. He was in the sanctuary all by himself. Slowly, people started trickling in. They didn't let anybody know that, but, and that's kind of how it started. And so you're trying to obey mm-hmm. what, for us, it was Governor Newsom. And we, we didn't obey some of the stuff because he, you know, he said no singing. There's no yeah. singing allowed. There's no communion, mm. none of this stuff. And so we're trying to figure out how to do communion. So you buy those little. That's what we did. The yeah. little cups, the little pre-made cups. Yeah, you don't. No one whoever, has to touch it. <laughs> whoever did that, whoever whoever came up with that, made a, made a killing in COVID. Because I think every church, <laughs> those little those little foam little foam crackers. Yeah, <laughs> they look like they look little. Yeah, that that They're was not real, but they they, they taste real. Yeah. Um. But and then that, they probably have a half life of five hundred thousand years. <laughs> probably, but then it became you're looking at it going. I think the government is enjoying having this power to tell us how we can worship. Yeah. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. And we were all worried. Mark and I kept saying, I wonder if they're going to get to the point where someday they're going to say, you can't preach that. Mm. You can't say this. You can't. And you're not, you know, you're not back at the first century church with all the persecution, but you're starting to feel the little heat coming at you, wanting to just, you're just saying, you know what? Forget it. We're just going to worship the Lord and we're just going to trust him. So as far as that, that was my experience, and sure. yours was probably different. It was different in the long run, yes. I think early on it was the same, as I said. I think the initial stages, we were actually already online with our sermons, you know, with our, in terms of being able to watch it online. We were able to expand that. We were able to do some stuff where everybody was from their own homes, and, and you know, we, so we didn't have to come together for that. So we were able to complete completely stay separated for for quite a while but then probably i I can't remember the times because it is it is fuzzy at this point in terms of what we did but at some point after easter we began to talk about coming back together i began to try to push that direction and we began to i i was asking you know around local authorities you know what how they were going to enforce things in terms of gathering you know, as time went on, I began to get the feedback that no one was going to stop us, that Florida was not, mm-hmm. that Florida actually did see church as essential. 
you know, that that's how DeSantis was handling it. And so that changed everything. And what's interesting is they nobody would ever, that I remember, nobody was coming out and saying, yes, church is essential. But if you went online, I, I remember going online and, you know, they had the, the Florida website had it delineated what was essential and what wasn't. And if I remember right, church was actually essential. But then nobody was ever publicly saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, can, you need to gather, you should gather. That took a little bit of like calling around, and I had a I had a friend that was a, a deputy sheriff. I asked him because he was a Christian, and Florida was making it essential. You know, church was was not seen as unessential, if you will, because DeSantis just I mean he took it a completely different direction. Once we got past the initial stages of this whole thing, where everybody sort of breathed, and he really worked hard to move toward opening things back up, you know, as opposed to Newsom, which seemed to just try to keep everything closed as long as he possibly could. You know, DeSantis had a completely different mindset. And so I, I was really, I was appreciative of living in Florida for that reason. We came back together at, at an early stage, comparatively speaking, but that created questions within the body. We didn't have anybody that I know of. I can't remember anybody leaving because of the, of the situation. Because we were very clear, especially in the first several months, you know, I would say three or four months, five months, maybe we were very clear that we were okay if people wanted to stay home. Right. I mean, we were saying if you, you know, we're meeting, you know, this is, we, we're coming together. We're going to meet because we feel Hebrews 10, 24, 25, not to forsake the gathering. And we know that the government is not enforcing for us that we can't be together. You know, we didn't have any limitations on singing that I remember. I think we did have, I mean, there was the six foot, you know, at first, you know, so we were trying to keep family units together and, and separate everybody else. And so we did spread out in the building that we were in. That's what we did, and it worked. And and for the most part, most people eventually came back, you know, and we eventually kind of got back to normal. It was just kind of a slow process of getting back to normal. Once we got past the initial few weeks, a completely different experience here in Florida. For us, it was, it was strange because at first, everything that was essential was grocery stores, Walmart, liquor stores became essential. And then when they when they announced strip clubs as essential, that's when Mark and I looked at each other and we were like, okay, there's something weird happening here. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we've talked about it before that there was a there was an excitement with at least in California the government the government actually having control over something that they had no control over. Newsom was more, well, that's kind of interesting because I can control a little bit of what's going on and keep these people away from church. And the, the the documentary that's coming out, The Essential Church, will show a lot of that. But I remember Mark Mark was working at Masters uh, University, and so he had access to John MacArthur, and they were they had a meeting with the faculty, and MacArthur was there. Because Grace Church actually started fighting Newsom. Yes. They actually went on the offensive. Yes, and he said, the reason we're doing that is because we have the resources, we have the money. And he looked at Mark, in fact, he said, you guys don't have it. He said, we're fighting it for you guys. We're fighting it for the little churches out there. And so that's what Mark was saying, that this is starting to become a battle between church and state. And that's when, you know, we just, yeah, we're going to meet. And I think that's something you and I can talk about on another podcast is when do we say, okay, we're going to meet. Yeah, I think I think the plan for this particular podcast, is the plan that we had for this one was to talk about our experience through that a time period and, and how we responded, right or wrong. 
And then I think the next time, you know, we're going to have this, we're going to have this showing on Sunday, but the next time we come together, you and I are going to talk about, you know, now that we've been through it, you know, what do we do in the future? How do we handle this in the future biblically? going to look at the nuts and bolts of all this. Yeah, I mean, try to try to understand biblically what the Lord would have us do. You know, I, I will say, you know, this is where I, you know, in terms of infectious disease, in terms of imminent danger, I do think, you know, we, we can unpack this, like I say, like we've talked about in another podcast, but, but I do think that we need to be careful not to go to the other extreme which says, oh, you know, no matter what imminent danger, we're still going to meet. Because, I mean, you wouldn't, if you were in Minnesota and there's a blizzard coming, you wouldn't, you know, you, you would shut down if it was, if there was imminent danger. You would shut, you would not do church on a Sunday. But that would be your decision, right? That would be, that would be something that you're looking at your body, the body of Christ, and as, a, as an elder, as a pastor, you're looking at the body of Christ, you're looking at the imminent situation, and you're making a decision based on the danger, you know, based on what's going on, and you make a decision, okay, this Sunday we're not going to meet, you know, and, and, and maybe next Sunday we're not going to meet, because it's a, there's imminent danger. But in an infectious disease situation, we need to be able to look at that and say, okay, you know, the, every, all the information that we're hearing from the medical community says that there is potential danger. I mean, I don't think that we need to go to the other extreme that just says we never look at what's going on. And I think the issue, Keith, and this is what we have to talk about, the issue is who makes that decision, right? It was in yeah. what, what happened here in, you know, in terms of what was so wrong about this is that the government dictated. The government said, so instead of, so here's how I see it, Keith, the government has the resources to go and 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 understand you know what's going on the government has the resources to do the research the government has the resources to do what it takes to know what's going on you know they have a wider reach than than i do you know i should be able to go to a government website research and see what's going on and make a decision based on my region based on my church based on what's happening based on imminent danger that says Yes, we don't meet on that Sunday. I mean, that would be no different than if, you know, here in Florida we have hurricanes. I I should be able to go to the national hurricane information that's out there that the government sponsors. I should be able to look at the forecast. I should be able to look at the track. I should be able to look at the, the intensity of the storm. I should be able to look at where I'm sitting at. And I should be able to say, as a pastor, with other pastors around me, you or you know others, and say, okay, we're not going to meet this Sunday because there's a hurricane coming. You know, we want our people to be safe. But the the difference here is the government saying you can't meet, and this is if and even dictating how you meet, when you meet. They're getting themselves out of their out of their lane, using that that terminology. They're they're out of their lane when they start saying this is how we're going to dictate your situation. We're going to dictate what you do, how you do it, or even if you do it at all. And I think that's the problem is that instead of seeing themselves as being informational, giving us, giving the citizens the information they need to make informed decisions, now they're saying, no, we're going to pass laws, regulations. We're going to dictate what you do instead of leaving it to you. Do you see the difference? Yes. And I, 
it's interesting because the documentary, there's a section in it where they ask the question, is government neutral? Some people believe the government is neutral and they're looking out for your best interest. Mm -hmm. The documentary is going to show that the government is not neutral. There is always something behind it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem, you know, is that, I, you know, you and I grew up in in the 70s and 80s, you know, I mean, I, I know, I'm sure you did, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you were taught the country, was, this is the greatest country in the world, and that, you know, we were taught to, to love the flag. And look, I, and I'm patriotic as they come, but we have to recognize that the world that you and I grew up in is different or was mm-hmm. different than it is today. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we did trust the government. You know, we did trust that that they were they had our best interest in mind. Now, to, now, with what's happening, I don't know. I mean, I, I that's you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there is something behind you know some of these decisions, and there's things going on that are that are nefarious, and you know, there are people who don't have our best interest in, at heart, and when they make these decisions, and you know, instead of being instead of being informational and telling us what we need to know in order to protect ourselves, you know, they're taking that role of, of basically being the nanny state. Do you think it's going to be harder in the going forward? Like the, the, I've heard people say this, the goalposts kept getting moved. There was so much information that wasn't true. I mean, we haven't even talked about the vaccine mandates and all this stuff. There was so much pressure that can we believe going forward if this happens again? And I think we know might happen again. Another virus out there, some kind of future. Vi- probably something environmental, but yes. There's uh, how some, do we I mean, believe I, them? Yeah, I don't know how we can because they're taking the mandate side of things like you know you mentioned vaccine mandates saying people are being forced i mean again it's upside down because the government should be able to give us information here's a vaccine and we believe that it's safe we believe that it's effective we believe that the research has been done you know here's the potential side effects here's potential dangers here's potential benefits you make the decision on your own i mean you make the decision here's the information here's the vaccine you make the decision that's not what's happening. What's happening is, is that if you don't do the vaccine, you're endangering everybody in the world if you don't do this. I mean, you're, you're a menace to society if you don't take the vaccine. That is the message that gets, that's getting pushed across. Has the government completely mandated, made it a law that you have to be vaccinated? Well, it's, it's, it's right there. Yeah. It's, it's very close. Yeah, I, I don't know how based on what they're doing, based on how that they're, you know, they've, they've chosen to govern, I don't know how Christians can trust it in terms of going forward. I don't know how you trust what they're saying. But yeah, I mean, it, that, that was a weird time. You know, when you start talking about mandating, that's just completely different. It's funny because I think Rahm Emanuel said something to the effect of never let an emergency go, you know, without yeah. taking advantage of it. You know, that's exactly what was happening yeah. is that they were taking it. The government was taking advantage of supposed emergency to take power that they shouldn't have had. And unfortunately, sadly, Keith, this is what we're talking about. They still have the power, yeah. the, the power. Once they once they get that power, then those those precedents are, the, are there and it's hard to it's hard to pull back. How much did it influence you that when you found out James Coates' church was shut down and the government actually put up fences around it and padlocked it? Well, I mean, it obviously is a big deal. 
by that point, we were completely... And that was Canada, by the way. Yeah, that's in, that's in Canada. By that point, we were completely, as far as I can remember, I don't think we were, we had any restrictions at that point here in Florida. So, you know, we were, again, watching from here going, uh, this is crazy that, you know, this is amazing that we're in a position where the government is taking it to that level where they're dictating, you know, even putting fences up, not allowing people to meet, you know, and James Code, of course, going to jail for that. But that was, I mean, for the master seminary guys, James is a master's guy. You're wondering, is that going to spread? Because we were all thinking it's going to come to California eventually, but it never did, praise God. But I, I was going to end with this. You you brought up, I don't think it was this Sunday, but the Sunday before, you talked about The, the Pianist, the movie. Yes. And Jenny and I watched that on Sunday, and it's not a real popcorn No, I, I brought movie. it up in the equipping hour. On That's Sunday. what it was. Yeah. And when did you watch it? We watched it, I think, on Sunday night. Oh, did you? Because I brought it up. Yeah. Oh, that's because Jenny's like it was on her list, and I I didn't know what it was. I knew it was about a a Jewish um, pianist, but I didn't know the movie was going to be that. Uh, did you like it? Powerful. Well, here's the I did actually, but here's the thing: is it's really fascinating to watch how slowly the control oh, I, yeah. of making them wear. It just reminded me, okay, we're going to start with masks, then we're going to go to, you know, uh, this, and then we're going to go to, and, and, the, and the Jewish people kept going with it, thinking if they, if, if they, they just do this, they're leave, going to let up, they'll, right? They'll let up, they'll leave us alone. And it kept getting worse. And yes. so it's, it, it made me think, boy, if we go through something like this, I, I don't know. I'm always kind of a rebel in a way. Yeah. I didn't want to do the masks anyway. I, I, but you, I couldn't get into a store unless I had one, so I had sure. to. But I took it off as soon as I got out. But it makes me think: if we move forward, is that kind of mentality? It, it would the church go through something like that as we move forward? Well, I think you know. I, I don't. As you know, we had a the, the podcast where we did you know the the view of eschatology. My my understanding of biblical eschatol of a of a biblical eschatology is things are going to proceed from bad to worse. That that you know it, things are not going to get better. The church is going to be persecuted. Uh, I think that you know we, we're in Matthew five right now with the beatitudes, and I think you know as we progress, you're going to get to you know the persecution of Christians and going through persecution. And I don't think that that is just unique to the first century church. I think that's going to be the, the church throughout the church age, and we see that even today, that the church is being persecuted in, in certain parts of the world. And so I don't doubt that, you know, we're going to go through, as the church, we're going to go through some difficult times, and that, you know, we're going to have to make some stands. And, you know, it's it, COVID revealed ma major rifts, major you know, cracks in the church, in the foundation of the church, in terms of the visible church, and how the church responded to COVID. And what's interesting is, is that I think that it's going to be that persecution that when it when it arises, it's going to rise with arise within the church. I think it's going to be, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be the church that sells us down the river. I mean, the you know people who call themselves Christians that are going to say, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm doing this. I'm I'm. I'm obeying, you know, the mandates. I'm getting vaccinated, or I'm doing what the government says. Why aren't you? Why can't you do that? This, this is how I'm reading the same Bible that you're reading, and and so you know, you why why won't you? You're just being you're just being a rebel, 
you're not you, you're you're not obeying, and you need to. And it, and it's the same thing going back to the, the to the movie P, the pianist. I mean, you have people in those situations that are saying, "Oh, well, why don't we wear the why don't we wear the cuff, or why don't we walk on this side of the street, or why don't we live in this area?" You know, because if we do that, they'll leave us alone. You know, that's what we need to do because you're causing the problem. You're the reason that that's happening, and you're the reason that the perse- persecution's coming. And so that you know, people are going to go. I want to be safe. I want to stay. You know, on the good side of things. So I'm going to tell them that you know you're not obeying. It's what you know ends up creating this situation. And yes, I mean the pattern is there. I mean we see you know Hitler, Nazi Germany with the Jews. I mean definitely followed that pattern. You know, you see it even, you know, Russia, you know, the, the gulags. So the point is, is that I think that the next time it comes that we're going to have to make some very difficult decisions and we need to be ready for that. And what happened in the, in the situation with COVID, I think, is a pattern. I, I think that it, it set a pattern for them to follow going forward. I think you said it. I think, yeah, we need to be discerning. We need to be in prayer, in and if this happens again, to know how to handle it, that's what this documentary, The Essential Church, is hopefully going to show. Yes, church is essential. And yes, there are extremes. There are hurricanes. There are blizzards. Again, it's you, it's you saying the pastor and the, and the leadership of the church are the ones making a decision. With the information they have. With the information they have. And it's not a permanent thing. It's maybe a couple weeks or a week. If, I don't know if it's a hurricane. I've never been through a big one yet. But I've been through a couple of blizzards. And, you know. Well, I think they're making decisions in real time. Yeah. Whatever whatever the situation is on any given Sunday, they're making that decision. And, you know, they're they're basing that decision on the information that they have. And, you know, that's again, it's where the power lies. The power should lie with, with the church in terms of that whether the church meets or not, not with the government dictating that. Right. And I and again, I think that's what this documentary is gonna show the process of how how do the church leaders decide? What do we do if the government says you guys can't meet? You know, we have to make that decision. We have to decide what are we living for. Yeah, again, it we can't be living we can't be living our lives in fear. You know, yeah. we have to be living our lives in obedience and and we know, you know, according to John, perfect love drives out all fear, you know, mm-hmm. and so we we know that God loves us perfectly and he wants what's best for us and you know therefore we need to obey him and so if i obey him then i can then i don't have to fear i don't have to fear the consequences of it because he's going to care for me so that's what's so amazing for me talking to you about the situation that happened with you and mark you know mark lost his life and and yet i think if mark was sitting here today i think he would agree with us based on what i know of him based on what you've said of him we would have any different conversation if he were sitting here today no, absolutely not. Let's meet again. Let's revisit this subject after we watch the documentary. Okay. What do you think? I think that would be an excellent idea. You know, I think you've already got some questions that we can ask yeah. biblically, and, and let's walk through biblically what, what the re- response was and in COVID, but also looking forward, you know, so that we can know what decisions we ought to make and how we could do those, make those decisions biblically. After we watch Essential Church, we'll do this again. We'll revisit it. So... Thank you for listening to Fresh Bread. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. Gainesville.org.